Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of Final Fantasy Union. I am your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. How are we doing today, Lauren? I'm glistening. Glistening? In, in soaking witness. <laughs> what is... Basically, it's Lauren's way of trying to say it's really hot here and we are wilting. <laughs> and he didn't like me saying sweating, so we had to re-record so that I said something a bit nicer. And so you've just apparently... undone all that good work. Because <laughs> apparently you guys need to need to think that I'm I'm this this princess who You're doesn't... just making me seem like a really bad person right now. <laughs> no, you're just trying to save me. I'm trying to protect everyone's ears. And I'm just trying to be endearing. You're not being. I'm... Oh. <laughs> you are it's very cute lauren i'm you. sure everyone appreciates you talking about your uh your personal My hygiene and... <laughs> uh hi yeah, no, it is it is ridiculously hot it here is. right now um, i mean like granted as far as like american temperatures go like it's it the sounds... humidity I've i know said this so many i times. know it it's... sounds like really lame because like in america when it's like 80s like that's nice but when it's 80 over here in the uk because of the humidity you just feel like you're gonna die we also don't have air conditioning yeah there's no air conditioning in in england it's a game and changer actually, it wasn't until me that daryl even purchased a fan it's true like he did this without just a tough, fan you just tough it out <sighs> anyway can't. right so that's um We've talked about the weather. That's a good yeah. conversation topic. I know, I think so. Um, today, we're good actually going to be talking about uh, expanded universes and whether or not we think that Final Fantasy 16 should feature an expanded universe. It means that we're therefore going to be talking about other expanded universes because there have been actually quite a few now. Um, so that should be hopefully an interesting topic. That's actually all we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to make it last. We're going to be diving <laughs> into this topic in great detail. Some might say we're going to be expanding the universe for the topic we're talking about. Oh my God, I see what you did there. That Thank was you. so great. Thank you. I've been working on that for a while. Actually, I just, I just came up with that. It's, usually I don't notice my own puns, but... <clears throat> I know, you just you just come just, out with them. I just them. roll them out. They just, they just come out. They just come out, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're so full of sass this yes, morning. Yes, yes, we are. And for you new folks who are listening for the first time that are being introduced to this sass, you are listening to Final Fantasy Union, and it's part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. Yay! We're now going to do some Patreon shoutouts, and this is for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode, starting with Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Lewis James. Blue Machine at Blue Machine. Chris Morales. Eric Decker at Choco Taco. Nahi Kablawi. Josh McNabb. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Masker 23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto 58. Mike. Dustin Smith. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urbayan Ray. Fatanitas. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Zach Porter at Porter Paradox. Miles Ribbons. Richard Holman at Vex Lennon. Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. David C. And Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy. Yay, thank Yay, you everyone. thank you guys so much. Before we move on to our main topic of the episode though, we actually do need to make an announcement. 
So we are going to be doing another fan gathering. Yay! Yay! It's going to be on the 11th of August. And actually, we weren't planning on doing another fan gathering. Um, After the last one we did in April, we were kind of happy to just say, like, you know, we did this one. It was the first one we'd done for a while, and it went really, really well. But because, obviously, Lauren is pregnant right now, and the next baby is due to arrive in the middle of September, we were thinking that maybe it wouldn't be best to do another event this year. Mm -hmm. But... We had such a positive response to the last event and so many people were just saying they really wish that we could do them more regularly. We just thought, you know what, we can feasibly do one in the towards the start of August. Mm. Uh, Hopefully by that time, Lauren is still somewhat mobile. Um, (laughs) And, you know, if we can do it, why not? Like we might as well just try and do something while we can. And as, yeah, as I said, we had so much positivity from the community about wanting us to do these things more regularly. We've decided that we're going to try and go out on a bang. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a longer event. We've got a bigger venue. We've got more activities. We're hoping to have some good surprises. And um, if you're interested in going, it's going to be in London again in the UK. Yeah, um, that's gonna... pretty much as far as I can go, really. Yeah, like, I mean, I know that a lot of people have been saying like, oh, I wish you could do it in this place, this place, this place. And um, to be fair, like I, well, one, I can't fly. And then two, um, going long distance uh, puts me at risk of like premature labor. So I don't really want to have a baby at this event. Like, I mean, that would be great publicity, I would think. But (laughs) but I don't think that it would be wise for me to go too far beyond what I'm used to. It's a very valid point. I think even last time, last time I pretty much was quarantined for the last like month or so because we didn't go to a concert. We were going to go to a concert and you were just like... It was around... No, that the, the concert I think was two two or three weeks before. Yeah. The last, the first event we did was two months before you were uh, due. So this mm. time we're putting it a bit closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're playing with fire. I, I may just be sitting... And that may just be the extent of my movement for the day. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be posting up an announcement on the Final Fantasy Union website. So if you're interested in finding out more about the event and what this kind of stuff is, or you've never been to one before and just are interested, feel free to check out the website and go and find out more information about the post. I would say that, um, you know, I personally, I really struggle going to events, which probably sounds a bit weird considering I'm hosting them. But um, as the host, I get to kind of craft it how I would how I would like to see other events run, and um, so part of part of the event is that I really try and make it so that people can make connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we come up with activities so that you get put with other people, and I guess the way that we look at it is you're all there because you love the same thing. Yeah. And making that initial conversation, starting off that initial touch point, is often quite hard, even even though you know that's the same thing. So we we try and make it so that you have a reason to talk to other people. And part of that is the pub quiz we do right at the beginning. And from that, we've seen so many friendships blossom over the years because people have just kind of been... They have to work together towards a common goal. Yeah. And it, and it really works. And it is like for some people, yeah, like um, some people were a bit turned off by that. And we really we really thought long and hard in the first event on how we were going to do the pub quiz. But I think like... It's just the benefits have far outweighed the cons. And most people who were hesitant about the way that we do the pub quiz with um, the randomization of people, um, like, yeah, it made it so much better. Like, the, the people that come to our events are always so nice. Like, we just, I, 
I, I think like we must just be so lucky to have such great people come. But um, like I we've never had any issues with anyone like they've just always been so friendly, so supportive. Everybody's always so open. Um, and I think like for a lot of people, it's been a really positive experience because there are so many other events where people go into clicks and people you know, um, just kind of stick around or or they just get left out. And that's what we don't want in our events. We don't want people to feel like they've spent their money on a day where they just stand, stand in, the in the corner, corner by, themselves, or... by themselves. I mean, if you're if you're happy with that, yeah, like I mean... then by all means. But like when people go to an event and they want to meet people and then they can't like that, that's what we've always tried to avoid. And I think we've always avoided it quite well. Um so yeah, I mean, if you if you are in the area and want to come by, um, we are so happy to have you come. Um, we're always around to talk to as well, to just hang out with. Um, I mean, I would say that uh, typically, I'd say the podcast listener audience has maybe been a bit hesitant to go to these events, mm-hmm. but you know... I'd say just give it a try. Like if you're if you're on the fence about whether or not you want to come to one of these events, just give it a try and yeah. and and see if you like it. Like it's we it's, just always have so much fun. Yeah, like it's great, and the community we've been able to build out of it is has been such a positive. Mm. But yeah, so um, enough gushing. Check out the website, <laughs> um, and then if you've got any questions as well, feel free to either join the Discord server and ask Lauren or myself. Or yeah, we can um, actually make a channel. Yeah, we'll make a channel. We can do yeah, and um, there's there's so many ways you can contact us if you if you if you have questions about it or you have um, things you want to discuss, you have anxieties you want to talk about. Like we're happy to kind of talk to you about the event and how it runs. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, so with that out of the way, we're now going to go on to our main topic, which is whether or not we think Final Fantasy 16 should feature an expanded universe. Mm. Now, I know it's a very contentious topic, and to that, I think we're going to take a small trip into history, down memory lane, let's say, um, go, diddly, because, diddly, because I don't diddly. think many people realize that actually the first game to receive a sequel was Final Fantasy V. Wow. Yeah, and it happened in 1994. It was called Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals. It was an anime that was produced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we talked about it in the uh, Tropes video, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, so actually, like, it's been a thing, but it was not really a popular thing. Um, it was it was produced primarily... I think it primarily... was quite crap. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think it was okay, but it was, yeah. it was produced, I think, primarily for the North American audience. In the sense um, that, like, I think it was, um, I think... Like, wasn't there a lot of inconsistencies with certain Probably. things? Probably. But it was it was during that time, you know, we had um, stuff where games were receiving different names. The numbering convention was completely out of whack. Like, yeah. Square Squaresoft in, in North America were tr- trying everything they possibly could to try and get people more interested in this franchise. And we think that unorganized uh, chaos was, like, only happening in the last 10 years at Square exactly, Enix. Yeah. Like, this has been happening since the beginning essentially i mean i mean back in those days japan had their stuff together it was just a north america was yeah. desperate to try and get people interested in final fantasy yeah. so yeah they had to change the numbering conventions they oh, changed the names so of games confusing. they had like obviously um like the mana franchise the saga franchise i think one of them was called final fantasy gaiden in japan i can't remember which one for the life of me yeah right everything now. has like a but, different like, name over in in america they were called like final fantasy adventure and like it was like no that's not actually what they were called no <laughs> Um, yeah, but like obviously, that was the only one that they had, and mm-hmm. then um, 
they had their difficulties financially with the spirits within sakaguchi left um oh i can't remember the, the previous ceo's name now that's not good which one uh prior to wada Basically, the guy who was in charge before WADA had to step down because of all the difficulties. Mm. WADA took over and he was like, how can I solve this mess? How can I make this company back to being a really profitable entity? Yeah. And obviously, one of the, the things they discussed was the merger between Square and Enix, which actually took a couple of years. And I think Enix initially started rejecting it, something like that. Um, and they started thinking about how they could, um, I guess, better use the products they had because they were in a... A somewhat unique situation whereby every single product like game they made or with relating to their biggest franchise was a new offering every time like they had a new uh new cast new world new music um so it was a completely new marketing um perspective like they could they could market everything again uh, and every single time they did something there was the potential that it would be even more marketable than the mm. previous one um so Wada was thinking like well how can we better leverage what we already have and that's where he came up with this thing called polymorphic content um they and final fantasy 10 2 which obviously started production before the merger between square and nx was basically the kind of the baby yeah the for this pig. Product. yeah like they, they used it to see if people were actually interested and really, like, it was a smart decision by them because they already had the 10 assets available. It didn't take them too long to create 10 2. They just had to kind of come up with a new storyline, which obviously wasn't planned in the first place. Um, and, you know, it, it did well. Like, it sold more than half the number of copies that 10 sold, which for a secondary thing where, obviously, because, I mean, Final Fantasy never really struggled with it anyway because of the numbering convention. But this time it was an, an additional number with a sequel, like an extension on it. So that obviously is a blocker Im immediately. Then you've got the people that don't like 10 uh, that wouldn't have bought it. But, you know, 10 2 still sold over 5 million copies. And with that, they were just like, guys, we're on the, we're onto a winner here. Like <laughs> the production costs were way down compared to 10. Yeah. And we sold tons of copies. So this like is a win Like they literally used everything again. Like yeah. pretty much they they maybe created like a few new dungeons um, just to accommodate for the extra stuff. Like you had uh, Clasco's little Chocobo Ranch thing. And you had like um, the dungeon in uh, the Thunder Plains or whatever. But in general, it was just kind of like the it, same. It was in a way, it was Square Enix adapting to modern video game development yeah. because if you look at the western uh, games and how they were developed there was always they were always produced in threes generally three games per console generation you look at like uncharted gta mm -hmm. and every single game like even gta let's say there's a different story between gta 3 um, vice city and san andreas but they use the same assets and they iterate so with 10 and 10 2 they used majority of the same assets, but they were able to then finesse everything. Like, imagine if 10 had the gameplay of 10 2. Oh, my God. Like, there were so many systems that they were able to to better develop. Okay, Blitzball maybe so got good. a bit worse. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily like Blitzball, but, like, I mean, the amount of, like, mini-games, like, replaying it now, it's really, like, crazy to think about how many mini-games they threw into Final Fantasy 10 2. Um, but I guess the, from what I'm saying is that Okay, so they, they, they didn't necessarily need to do 10 2. They could have. Yeah. The problem that Square Enix used to have was that they always had different teams working on the next game. So you go to um, 7, 8, 9 different teams. Okay, 7 and 8 were similar teams, but 9 different teams, completely different aesthetic. They can't really reuse anything that was previously no. done. 
um, they just kind of got themselves in this weird loop where um, they weren't able to kind of iterate upon themselves very effectively. And when you think about it, yeah, like, I mean, the differences between Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, and Final Fantasy IX, they're all... There's nothing. There's nothing that's similar. Like, there's absolutely no assets that could have been shared between the two. No. Like, nothing. And that's, like, so extreme. But they kind of made it work back then. That, that yeah. It was easier for them to produce games of that quality. But then once it got into the HD era, mm-hmm. things started to really change. They weren't anywhere near as efficient. But anyway, we're getting completely yeah. off topic. <laughs> 10T was such a success, they started thinking about what else they could do. And obviously, they turned their attentions to Final Fantasy VII, their biggest ever game. And they just saw it as a goldmine, essentially. There was so much potential around things they could create. They just started brainstorming. They were like, right, we can do movies. We can do different games. We can do novels. We can do whatever we want with this thing. And so they started trying to push things out. And... I'd say like the compilation of Final Fantasy VII was successful in a way, mm-hmm. but I mean they, I don't think they ever really managed to to leverage it to its fullest potential. Like if you look at the number of sales that Ten to achieved versus Ten, over half. But if you look at the Final Fantasy VII compilation, they I mean Crisis Core is probably the best selling thing. Actually, maybe Advent Children was. Dirge of Cerberus barely managed to sell a million before Crisis. Obviously, was decent from an exposure perspective in Japan. But I don't think they ever really managed to create something that really brought people back in. Well, what I find interesting is their choices as far as the polymorphic content. Because essentially, like, you think about the fact that with Crisis Core, for example, they chose to go with a PSP game, whereas Final Fantasy VII was a console game. Would it have been different had they put it on a console instead of PSP because not everybody had a PSP and then also you had the issues of the fact that the PSP was easily hackable um i mean obviously for Jap- japan like the handheld consoles were a huge deal and sony was really trying to break into the handheld console market but like i wonder how much better crisis core would have done if it was a console game and then on top of that with final fantasy 102 i wonder how much how much better it would have done or how much more of a um, positive uh, feedback it would have had had it not focused on an all-female cast. Like, I hate to say that just because, like, from a a female perspective, but at that time, um, especially, like, uh, it it, it happens even now that, like... There was a huge negative There was a huge negative thing against the fact that it was a girly game. And, like... It's not really like there there are some things that are a bit more like, um, well, it's three girls. (laughs) It's three girls who are the main characters. But like the story is not in any way um, like a bit worse. I mean, I would say that in Japan, from what I'm remembering off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that um, Tentu sold around two million copies in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think ten would have sold many more than that. Maybe three, mm-hmm. four. It's where it's in the West where ten two sales didn't anywhere achieve anywhere near the same. It's more so. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily focusing on the sales as much as I'm focusing on the reception. Well, of I mean it. that that would have 
they're directly correlated to each other yeah so i know that loads of people in the community around that time were put off about by the game because it was an all-female cast oh my gosh they thought it was going to be like charlie's angels and there's they so thought many people that, who just outright refused to well, play it, the it game was, it was this whole thing around masculinity like how many guys would not go and see charlie's angels because it was a, a, a film about females mm-hmm. like it just they thought it would be uh, they would be mocked or, or criticized for going to see it so to them they had to project this thing of saying I don't want to play ten two because I'm a man, yeah. that kind of thing, and not, not actually appreciating what it what it brought to the table. Like, yeah, yeah. arguably some of the best gameplay in the series we've ever seen. Had like, a great storyline, and the characters. Like, yeah, sure, there are some let's say um, unsavory moments that happen, and you even like doing like but the then, massage scene and stuff. But then but at then, the end of the day, like that's sort of what they were trying to do to approach to approach the masculine the masculine yeah, fan service in another way fan service because that's the way that they felt that they could get men interested but i would also say that that's that kind of stuff is not exactly taboo for final fantasy games you look yeah. at final fantasy 7 oh the god, honeybee yeah. in like yeah. the mucky massage sessions the fact like, that tifa's boobs are the size of planets like you know and final fantasy final fantasy 9 had a butt groping scene there's a nudie mag in final fantasy 8 like you could just go on and on and on about things that were a bit like whoa okay that's interesting the whole scene in final fantasy 5 where they figure out that ferris is actually a girl and not a boy like camp is something that has been in final fantasy pretty much since they started doing storylines because that's how they f- it's just that before it was never like like a signposted it was never kind of yeah. like people didn't focus in on it it was yeah. always a kind of a side product but i think yeah with final fantasy 7 the compilation um advent children was obviously kind of their big thing they wanted to push on but yeah crisis core like they could have made that a console game instead of dirge of cerberus put dirge of cerberus on the the psp it probably would have been more suited in terms of they really they pushed themselves too far they experimented too much with that mm-hmm. game they weren't capable of producing what they wanted to do it would have been better suited on the on the PSP because yeah. the the expectations are lower yeah yeah no that would be an that's an interesting point because yeah like i mean that type of game is sort of like what Nomura's doing with the Kingdom Hearts series and that he's like pushing uh different styles of gameplay on the handhelds versus the uh console ones which are very much more like um they're they're more what i want to say universal they're fuller experiences they're fuller experiences like it's a it's a yeah it's like um a general action rpg obviously they have like a lot of other things and crisis core is the game that everyone kind of got drawn into it's one of the best-selling psp games of all yeah. time um and it's not a multiplayer game which for the, the best-selling psp games are typically multiplayer games like monster hunter um and so yeah like that could have that could have worked so much better they could have just switched those two around so, like, from that perspective, I wonder if if Square Enix sort of shot themselves in the foot by n- making choices that maybe weren't the best. Oh, I mean, we're going to get onto choices in a second. Because <laughs> obviously, they started working on the compilation of Final Fantasy VII before a lot of that was even out. I think, I think at this point, maybe... Um maybe before crisis and advent children were the only ones out i think potentially crisis core and dojo cerberus were around the same time or afterwards but in 2006 they obviously announced the fabula nova crystallis franchise mm. this was where they were like okay this is where we're planning it from the start compilation obviously wasn't planned 10 wasn't planned 
this one they were like okay we're gonna make a universe a world it's gonna have three games that reside in it they're gonna have shared mythology and we're gonna make all these like crazy things actually there was a fourth game heresis um and they wanted to make this whole pre-planned predestined narrative that had shared mythology etc etc there was going to be two console games one handheld game that was more of a spin-off that was going to be on mo- actually it was going to be mobile initially and then heresis no one really knew what that was going to be um but they had a like an actual plan like it was going to be like full full experiences like um like um yeah all the stuff and and then it just all fell apart completely they they didn't know what they were doing with it like 13 obviously was planned to come out a lot sooner than it was they did the tech demo it completely derailed derailed the entire project versus 13 they didn't have the resource to make at all because Nomura just kept focusing on other things Agato they didn't have the resource to make because Nomura kept focusing on other things they just didn't have this focus to actually deliver on the next the expanded universe they wanted and then they ended up just creating all these other expanded universes so <laughs> we then had the final fantasy 13 trilogy which going to back to what i said before around um like 10 2 and reusing the same assets great great idea they actually managed to put out three final fantasy 13 games on the same console the problem was is that final fantasy 13 was a very divisive game mm-hmm. so therefore when the 13 2 came out they were already tons of people that were like just not interested in purchasing that they couldn't bring in new fans to play it really so the the market like the the number of sales was already dwindling and then they decided to do a third game despite the fact that the second one didn't do particularly well yeah and then for that one they completely changed everything yeah well i mean if you think about it they they really can changed all the most of the assets in final fantasy 13 too as well like i mean the gameplay style is like a, a lot different to 13 and the but they reused a lot of the, the enemies the character models yeah like those the... kind of things they they used again but it's not it's not nearly as the same as um final fantasy 10 2 which does almost like it, it looks quite similar to final fantasy 10 um the environments and stuff uh but like yeah yeah, no, uh, it's it's really crazy. Lightning Returns is probably the yeah the biggest jump just because they just yeah they it, was, completely it was one character, it. completely different gameplay styles, completely different story st- story type as well, An and environment think, as well. And I think the thing that really like epitomized the Fabulous Over Crystallis thing outside of type, which we'll get onto in a minute, was the DLC. Like mm. they were kind of getting into that realm of DLC. Thirteen didn't have any, but thirteen two did. And they didn't really know what they were doing. Like they didn't actually have a plan for DLC. They just decided they were going to roughly kind of wing it. So they decided to put the... Well, they obviously had a, a slight plan because they decided to not put the actual ending in 13.2 <laughs> and have it as DLC instead to bridge the gap between the two games, like uh, 13.2 and Lightning Returns, mm. which was just a terrible decision. They got mass backlash around it. And because of that, they decided to do no DLC for for Lightning Returns that was story-related, which was a great decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously outside of that, yeah, Agato ends up going to his whole thing, created its own sub franchise, and like Crisis Core got in the way of that, Parasite Eve got in the way of that. Like there were so many like other games that just kind of got in the way of making that game. So again, they went in with good intentions, they just weren't able to deliver because they didn't have the correct planning. Mm-hmm. Like they went in it's exactly like if we're looking about 
this wasn't kind of pre-planned on our side, but, you know, our complaints about the compilation, they addressed them with Fabulous Nova Crusades. They were going to have mm-hmm. different tiers of gaming for different type of things. Obviously, Versus 13 was going to be a more experimental action RPG from the start. That was the plan. Yeah. But it was going to be like a full, f- fully fleshed out experience. It was going to be different. It was going to be kind of mature. They had like this whole light, dark juxtaposition they were working towards. And everyone was super excited about Versus 13. Oh, yeah. If 13, if 13 hadn't been delayed, I think that may have been part of the problem. Mm. They couldn't release Versus 13 before 13. Mm. 13 obviously got massively delayed by probably, I think I think they said two years. So that was supposed to come out approximately 2007, 2008. Versus 13 could have then come out 2009, 2010. But because, uh, and, and obviously Agato couldn't come out either. So they kept having to delay these projects and work on other things. And then they just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed because bigger things kept coming up. Yeah. They just kind of lost it all. And then another knock-on of that was was Versus 13 became became 15. Mm-hmm. And they decided they wanted to create a universe for that, <laughs> which they obviously hadn't planned around from the beginning. No. So then they had to kind of shoehorn this universe in. It's it's had some good parts. Yeah. But, you know, Kingsglaive ended up being a bit of a mess because from a narrative perspective um because they didn't really know what to do with it they just thought they would be able to use it as a marketing tool yeah brotherhood was was good yeah um, i thought brotherhood they did really well i just yeah with with kingsley just the fact that there were so many inconsistencies between that and like final fantasy 15 but brotherhood somehow did it well like i think it's because brotherhood was a prequel so yeah. they were able to um, focus on some, like they were able to focus a bit better. Yeah. Whereas Kingsglaive was supposed to be taking place during the game. Yeah. Which then made things a bit more kind of like it, it made it easier to criticize and mm. find flaws because that like even small inconsistencies were able to be blown up quite easily. Yeah, I wonder what have hap- what would have happened if they had like released Final Fantasy fifteen first and then Kingsglaive. I think we would have been in a similar situation. Yeah. Actually, I think it probably would have been worse. Yeah. Possibly because people would have watched, um, would have played through 15 and then been like, what Who's the this heck guy? happened? Yeah, like, where's this guy? What happened with this? Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really difficult. But yeah, no, they they somehow like managed to screw it up sort of three times. <laughs> like, like they try, they tip in, in, with that being said, they with Fabula Nova Crystallis, they did have the best intentions with that, but the execution was just not, not what you would have hoped from being able to forward plan and be organized with it. And then, like, I mean, they did run and they did kind of they were kind of forced to make the Final Fantasy fifteen universe, maybe not to the extent that they've made it now. But they were kind of forced due to time. And I think the the Final Fantasy XV universe is an interesting one because it also shows that there is a significant demand for this. Like, we we, we kind of talk back about Yuichi Wada and what he did and didn't do. Or, and sometimes we're quite critical of him, but he spotted something that he knew was going to work. They yeah. didn't execute it very well. But I think Final Fantasy XV shows the there is so much interest there. If they announced Final Fantasy XV Part Two right now, if they announced Final Fantasy XV Part Two right now, there would be some people that would be unhappy about it, but mm-hmm. I think there would be a load of people that would be so excited for that game. But the, my issue is, is that they didn't, like, with the Final Fantasy XV game itself, 
they didn't give enough for us to have our our beaks wet if you know what I mean like with Final Fantasy X like they sort of gave us a lot of space with regards to like Jekt and Braska and Orin where you sort of like you sort of think like it would be really cool if they had another game with this and like same with Final Fantasy 8 like they sort of let the fans figure it out for themselves what they wanted more of but I guess they haven't delivered on it but like but I guess um so obviously the thing that people wanted to see with versus or sorry it was versus like they wanted mm -hmm. to see the kind of that spin-off that alternate take yeah and I that's true if like for them, um, yeah, sure, Final Fantasy a fifteen sequel would not sell eight or nine million copies, but it would sell four or five. Yeah, probably. Like and depending on how And they've already like that's the thing, they've already made AOS. Yeah. So they just need to kind of expand it a bit more, change it, make it look better. Yeah. Make the worlds look better, like add better questing system. Like they could just build upon what they already have. Yeah. But obviously they, they don't do. have that interest internally, which you can't force. No. They have interest to make more DLC, which is fine. And again, but it would be great. It would be great if they could make another game with just those just similar assets. It's not going to happen, though. No. No, it's not going to happen. No, they're. Gonna... I would also say that there was another sequel that I've forgotten that will get chastised for Revenant Wings. Mm. Yeah, it's true. But it's just because like it often gets overshadowed because it was on the DS. Yeah. And it didn't. I don't think it sold particularly well. It was just one of those things that just kind of. It was a game that just released with very limited fanfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the after years as well, they did Final Fantasy for the after years. Yep. But um, same with that, like it was just kind of like a cash in. It's the it's the whole thing. Like I think it's you could make the parallel with the Assassin's Creed franchise, where they had Assassin's Creed one and two, and then they did Brotherhood, Revelations, and those games all did really well. High mm. production value. They built on the assets of the previous one. They had a consistent story that and was created built, by Patrice. And they built on something that fans loved. But they also had a PSP game called Bloodlines. And they also had a DS game, which I can't even for the life of me remember. Those were both absolutely terrible. Mm. And it just showed like if you want to build out this expanded universe, there are ways to do it. And... Not, not many companies are able to do it very well like mm-hmm. it's not it's not something that square enix is is unique to them like ubisoft yeah as i said assassin's creed 1 2 and brotherhood i loved that mm-hmm. brought me into the game revelation started to kind of lose me a bit but bloodlines on the psp was not a great game and the yeah. ds games they produced i think they produced two of them not good games they ended up just stopping because they just realized they couldn't do it and like it's the same thing like revenant wings like you said the after years like there's a place for them but it just kind of shows that they didn't really have that much interest in expanding the universes for those games yeah they just kind of they wanted to do something but they didn't really want to do something that was significant and i think if they are going back to our main topic which is obviously final fantasy 16 i think if they are going to do an expanded universe for 16 they have to be very careful in what what they what narrative they choose to try and create around it. Yeah. Like if they have if they want to do one, they definitely have to plan it beforehand because even when they have planned it, they haven't necessarily been able to do something with it because of technical delays or whatever. Final Fantasy Fifteen Universe seems very unplanned. Compilation obviously was not planned. Um so if they are going to do something, I would like to see it similar to what they tried to do with Fabulous Nova Crystallis, announce this kind of 
world that they're, that they're trying to build out but mm. they have to take it seriously and if they are going to produce prop, uh, games for i guess the smaller systems which don't really exist anymore so it'll be mobile games what is it that they're actually trying to achieve from these mobile games because we saw it with 15 they launched a couple of mobile games they all just failed dismally because there was no real reason to engage with these games like no. justice monsters 5 well great it's like a what am i going to learn about 15 from playing this or king's tale king's knight sorry had nothing really to do with the game other than the fact they played it in the game yeah and it's pretty sad when you think about the fact that like those games did abysmally but a new empire did amazingly well it's because they just spam money <laughs> yeah it's very true but um either way like i mean um to sort of counteract that like i feel like maybe if they sort of agree from the beginning that they will have an expanded universe that's fine but don't necessarily maybe have like a few options like think of a few options in which they could potentially expand the universe and then see what the fan reception is as far as the main game goes in general i know that that's probably that would mean that it would take a lot of time for them to get that feedback and then even get started on stuff but i feel like that would be more beneficial because i feel like you can't always you can't always um plan for what fans will no. respond the best to like but let's say you know it'd be I'm great get, to have that foresight i'm gonna get my my video game creator hat on right now and think about from a marketing perspective let's say right they announced a similar thing like they did with fabulous over crystallis they announced a, a light version and a dark version they share a same the same mythology but they have different uh narratives slightly different gameplay styles and everything Let's say that that actually played out how they wanted it to. So they had 13, they had versus 13. Both of those games would have done well. Mm. If they had stuck to their initial visions for 13, I think it would have been better because it would have been 10-2s, like an expanded 10-2 gameplay system. Um, versus 13 was going to do its thing. They could have then done a combination game, like where it's a game that has Lightning and Noctis. Mm. Like they, they get brought together for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, that would that would have been cool. Yeah. Like, so if they want to do something with sixteen, like they they could easily announce like two, both high production games that are going to come out reasonably quick, like a year after each other, and then if it's done well, why can't like do do like expand it naturally in that way? Yeah. Don't like shoehorn stuff in and like do all this really random stuff that yeah. like, doesn't really add anything. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I mean, the problem with the pre-planning, even though it's admirable, like they they don't know what's going to do well, and like it's it's better to just not get people's hopes up about things. We were saying like with the stories, like you look at the um the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy, the story's kind of all over the place. Like yeah. it just gets. Like, the first game, okay, decent. But after that, it just starts getting more and more fantastical. Like, yeah. it's just just beyond the realm of realism. Yeah. And, like, Whereas we're saying, like, with, like, Mass Effect, mm -hmm. say, the, uh, Drew Kashavan, I think, the guy is, he had, like, a, like a, a plan in his mind about where he wanted that franchise to go. Sure, like, obviously, when you're getting onto, like, Mass Effect 3, he won't have written that whole thing before, when he started initially. Mm -hmm. But there would have been... A, there was a framework that he was working towards so that things could be consistent. And, you know, like, Harry Potter as well. It's got to have been mm -hmm. the same. Like, she would have said, like, here are core things I want to happen. Right, I just need to build out... It's like yeah, it's like keyframes in animation, that. right? Yeah. You know, you know, like, the significant touch points you want to have. And then you can finesse the middle bit. 
the, to make it more smooth. But then that all goes back to the fact that Nojima has to be a part of the games. Like Nojima has to be a part of the organization. The part, yeah. Because I feel like he is talented at that. He's very talented. And if anything, they probably should try their hardest to find somebody like Nojima. I mean, they've tried to... with, with Watanabe. But... Yeah, but it's just not... He's just not as... He's... And just to clarify here, like I think we've fallen into this misconception as well around Najima. Like he doesn't actually write the story. No, he doesn't such. write it. He just makes it make sense, and yeah. he makes it he makes it work for the games. And I think that's what they're missing. I think they're missing the organization. Or, sorry, the organization of. And honestly, the story. I think it's better when he doesn't come up with the concept. Yeah, I think it's better. Like with Final Fantasy VII, for example. Yeah, like he took the ideas that all the prominent creators had and then melded it into a into a framework for a story. Mm-hmm. Like it was his job to compile everyone's thoughts and make it into something that worked, Works. that was consistent. And I think that's what that is exactly what they're missing with these games. Like, yeah, like focus on people's strengths. Like, uh, I, I, yeah, you know, like I, I think that they they do struggle with that at times, not focusing on on what what assets they have and that's the problem that Tabata had anyway in Final Fantasy 15 um with the fact that they had team members who just weren't in roles that they were that they excelled in so that's why every a lot of things got jumbled in the first place but um but that's going on to a completely different topic but like with Final Fantasy 16 like yeah what I th- do I think that they should have an expanded universe I think it would be very beneficial to them financially but I don't know if they should necessarily have a concrete idea. I don't think they should, if they're doing an expanded universe, I don't think they should announce it beforehand. Like, I don't think they should announce it with the game. And I also think that they should play off of the fan reception more so than um, than their own sort of like preconceived notions of what they think fans would I guess one. it's dangerous from both perspectives. It is because right? they have to still be interested in what they're doing, don't they? They can't just make something just for the sake of the fans. Like, like I mean, like I don't. I mean that in the nicest sense, in the sense that like they they have to be passionate. Like when you're creating something, you have to feel it yourself. Otherwise, I mean, you like, will not. With with the fifteen uh, like dawn of the future, it's going to be interesting to see what episode Luna Freya is like because yeah. they clearly have have kind of pushed out numerous times that they weren't really interested in making more story yeah. for Luna. And don't say that you're not interested. <laughs> like, just don't don't say that in interviews because there's always going to reach a point where somebody's going to call you out and be like, oh, well, now you're doing this now. Hey, like, what are you doing? Never say never. Because like, even with the messaging around that, it was just like, okay, so the fans said they wanted Arden, the fans said they wanted Luna, the fans said they wanted Aranea. We actually want to do Noctis. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm... Which no one of the fans wanted. No, but I mean, like, I guess it's give and take, isn't it? It's it's good if they if they have one... If they have one DLC that's for them. But yeah, so I guess, so yeah, summary thoughts that we both think they should be an expanded universe for 16. They just need to plan it better. They mm. just need to do a better job with it. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. just do better. Just do better. Just do better. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> right, okay. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our discussion. It's quite lengthy, actually. Mm. A bit lengthier than I was thinking it was going to be. It always is, Daryl. Yeah, it is. You just need but to... But I didn't <laughs> say this time. I didn't say beforehand. This needs you to be a short episode. Beforehand. Maybe it's because I thought it. Yeah. That was it. I, I thought it. You're just falling into yeah. it. 
All right, so our music for this episode is from Final Fantasy Nine. We're kind of in a Final Fantasy Nine theme at the moment. It just mm. had its birthday as well. It did. It's eighteen. And um, this is an arrangement of the Kingdom of Burma Sea. It's actually probably a very different arrangement than the the one the type we would typically have on there. So it's kind of more mm. of a prog rock arrangement. Ooh. I mean, it, it, like the Burma Sea theme is is kind of like a, one of those ones where it's not the most melodic of themes it's it's very kind of monotonous um so hopefully you guys enjoy uh, this guy's called mark papagin hopefully you guys enjoy his take on it um the next episode of final fantasy union is scheduled to come out on the 24th of july you can subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store if you want to make sure you check it out just search for final fantasy on the store and we should be there or thereabouts and you can also catch every episode of final fantasy union at finalfantasyunion.com as well as all our news coverage which at the moment, is very, very much related to the mobile games because there's not really much going on with anything nah, else. unfortunately. Also, if you enjoy the show and you're interested in supporting us, why not head over to Patreon? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion to find out how you can support us. And with that, I think it's time for us to say goodbye, Lauren. Goodbye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FunnelFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>